Well, greetings in Jesus' name once again to all of you. We're going to spend a few moments again uh, in different situation than before with the Word of God. And so I just invite you again uh, today or whenever you're watching this to uh, get your Bible, open it up to the book of 2 Corinthians this time. Uh, like last time, I'm going to invite you to uh, get a piece of paper if you want to take some notes. We do want to study the Word of God and find in it what encouragement we can and what direction we can. Uh, and perhaps again, like I said last week, what correction we might need to have in there. This week, as I mentioned, I want to go to uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and the verses I want to uh, really sort of focus in on or launch from is verses 17 and 18 of 2 Corinthians 4. Let me just read them for you. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now there's a lot of stuff in there, but I wanna just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start actually by going to the very end of that because there's a connection there I wanna make. It says that the things that we see, the things we can look at with our eyes, those things are transient. Now that word transient, is a form of the Greek word that we actually bumped into last week from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Last week we talked about taking, uh, making the best use or taking advantage of the opportunity that we have. And that word for opportunity was the occasion, the occasion that we have. And in this situation, of course, the occasion that we have that we all get to stay at home a lot more than we have been. We all have to be very aware and very intentional about what we're doing and who we're doing it with and limiting ourselves and getting a lot of things stripped away from us that's part of our normal habit of life and saying, what's really important? As I encouraged us to take advantage of that occasion, this word here, transient, is a form of that same word, meaning it is a temporary occasion. So the things that we see are temporary occasions. They're not lasting, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, of course, one of the things that I exhorted us to take advantage of last week was in our witness for Jesus Christ, witness to the gospel and the hope that the gospel brings to us. And if you were to look earlier in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking exactly about that, about the fact that we have this, this role, that we are ministers of the grace of God, of the mercy of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're ministers of that to each other. In fact, he says in verse 2 that we have renounced or said no to disgraceful, underhanded ways. We will not practice cunning or tamper with God's word. Now, once again, let me point out to you, the word practice, we will not practice cunning. That word practice is the same word as the word for walk that we looked at last week. We will not walk in deceitful ways. We will not do things deceitfully to try to bring the gospel to people. We will not mess with God's word. We will not hide it or twist it or do anything else with that. But we will give of ourselves. And in fact, just a few verses later, he makes it clear to us what we are to proclaim if we're going to proclaim Jesus. But before I say this, let me point out to you. Though your life has radically changed, and you probably are not having interactions with nearly as many people as you were just a couple of weeks ago, I am fairly certain that almost all of us are still having some interactions with some people. 
which means we're still having some occasions to proclaim the gospel. And verse 5 says that what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This is a powerful, this is not the point of the message this week, but this is a powerful illumination of what we are to do when we are to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not proclaiming who we are. We're not proclaiming our ideas. And might I remind you in this discussion of all the coronavirus stuff, we're not so busy. We should not be so busy proclaiming our opinions and what we know about all this. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. Very key phrase. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. And by the way, what are we talking about ourselves as? We are here to be servants to others for Jesus' sake. He makes it clear in these verses. Those who do not know the gospel, their minds are blinded. Their understanding is darkened. But we, we have seen the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's risen in our hearts. And so we have that. And he goes on to, read, uh, to say this. And I want to read these verses for you today, starting in verse 7. But we have this treasure, this treasure of knowing Jesus, of the hope that we have, the peace inside of us. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's spend a few moments with this passage. Again, I want to take a more in-depth look at those last couple of verses, but let's spend a few moments with this passage. Because as Paul makes it clear to us that we have this treasure of knowing Jesus Christ, of having this hope inside of us, and this thing that we're proclaiming, Jesus Christ as Lord, we have that knowledge in us, and many people around us do not. But we have this treasure in a jar of clay, in a mortal body, a body that is also, in this case, as susceptible to the virus and as susceptible to the things around us as everybody else's body. In fact, he says that we are always carrying about the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. We might think that's a bad thing, but Paul is saying here, that's a good thing. In fact, if I were to say it this way, and I don't know how often we really think about this, if I were to say it this way, I would say, 
We cannot display the life of Jesus if we're not displaying the death of Jesus in our bodies. Or perhaps we could phrase it as a question. Are you, am I willing to display the death of Jesus in my life, in my body, so that I can also display his life? You don't get the resurrection without the cross. Think of Jesus' words. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it can't grow and produce. What is this death of Jesus? Now, of course, it's his physical death. But more than that, I would tell you, it's his submission to God. It's his laying down of his will. It's him in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, God, is there any other way that this could be done? But in the end, not what I want, but what you want, God. It's what I want in my life. We are to always carry around that death. We are always willing to die to ourselves so that the life of Jesus, the resurrected power of Jesus in us, is also able to be displayed. And why are we willing to do that? Why are we so ready to look uh, at the, uh, to be okay with the things that may bring death to us so that the life may also be displayed? Again, Paul answers that. Look just a few verses later. He says, we know that he who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Friends, can I encourage you? We are willing to carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus might be displayed because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that were real death, physical death, to occur to this body, that we would be raised up with Jesus because the same God that raised him up will raise us up also with him. Be encouraged. Easter is coming. Now, I can say that very literally because Easter is coming right around the corner. But I mean it even beyond that in a broader scale. Easter is coming after the death, after the, after the cross of Jesus, after the suffering, the passion of Jesus Christ, came the resurrection, the glory of Jesus. These things that we're walking through these days, they're painful and difficult, and we are probably not even to the depth of it yet. But this is for a moment. This is for time, which has a beginning and an end. But Easter is coming. The resurrection is coming. But friends, can I tell you also, let's, let's broaden that scale out even more because I can also tell you that the true Easter, the true resurrection, the return of Jesus Christ is also coming. In which case, everything that has happened inside of time, beginning and end, will be such a small blip on the radar of eternity. I'd like to point out to you, by the way, that he says that this death in us so that life can be in you, it is for other people's sake, for unbelievers' sake, that the grace may extend to more and more people so that more and more may come to know Jesus. We had an interesting discussion this week in my own house as we had our Bible time with our students, our school children, and we were talking about the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And the question was posed to us as we were working through the text, was posed to us that how was God's confusion of language and scattering of people an act of mercy, not just an act of judgment? And we began to realize that when people have turned away from God, what they deserve is death. But God, instead of wiping out all those people at the Tower of Babel, instead of, instead of killing all of them, instead of destroying all of them, he scattered them. He changed their language. He confused them, and he scattered them, and he gave them a chance to realize their need for him. 
perhaps we can look at the grace that is being given to us. For those who have dishonored God and who have not yielded to him, who have wanted to do their own thing, that God, instead of choosing to judge us by destroying us, is giving us grace, is giving us the ability to understand how much we need him that we might turn to him. That's grace, my friends. Knowing that we can walk through difficulty, that when this shell, this body dies, that we'll be raised with Jesus is why Paul says, for that reason we do not lose heart. I pray with everything I have in me as I'm giving this, that these words, this simple sentence can find its way deep into your heart. Do not lose heart. Do not allow the enemy to discourage you to feel forsaken or to feel like all is at loss. We do not lose heart. We are willing to carry around the death of Jesus Christ in our body so that the life of Jesus might also be displayed because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us so we don't lose heart. And this brings us to the verses that I want to spend time with. This helps us understand that this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. You might be thinking to yourself, how can you say light and momentary affliction, Merlin? This is not light and it's not momentary, it seems. This is drastic, this is major, this is covering the entire world. This is no small thing. You don't understand what I'm walking through and, 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 and I'm not trying to dissuade you from those things. But I'd like to remind you of a few things. The author of the, these words that I read to you is a man named Paul. He just wrote in a few verses before this that he was afflicted and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. But if you want an even broader picture of what he's walked through, if you turn closer to the end of the letter of 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, he says this, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And, get this, Apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Little aside, that word pressure, the daily pressure, thlipsis. It's the same word he uses in the, in the verses I read about this light and momentary affliction. Affliction is pressure. Yes, the man that wrote those words, he knew affliction, did he not? That is no small thing for him to say, these light and momentary afflictions. I'm sure, though we have a rough path in front of us, not many of us have experienced those things. But let me say something about this. I'm not trying to make a comparison and say, well, because someone had it worse than you, that you shouldn't be, it's just no big deal to you. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I'm not trying to minimize the afflictions or the pressures or the things that we're facing. I'm not trying to minimize them one bit because I think they are rather massive. 
What I am trying to get us to see is that we need to maximize the ability that God has to do wonderful, powerful things through the pressure in us, through the death that is living in our bodies, that is pressing in around us. Not to minimize our problems, but to maximize, to, to elevate who God is and what he wants to do. For he sets up these comparisons. I want you to notice these comparisons in verse 17. He says, there are light, momentary afflictions. And he offsets them by saying that they cannot compare. They don't even get close to comparing. In fact, he uses the word hyperbole upon hyperbole to say they're beyond comparison to these, this weight of eternal glory. Now notice, each one of those words has, a, has, a, has an offset, has a, has a comparison to it. Light, which means easy, is, is offset by the word weight or heavy. Momentary, which is of course just for a moment, is offset by the word eternal, time with no end. Affliction or pressure is offset by the word glory. And can I remind us, or can I say to us, this is not just a sort of a scale, although we can look at it that way, and say we have light and momentary afflictions, and we have eternal weight of glory that is coming to us. Which one do we prefer? Which one do we want? But even that, it's not just a comparison. It's not just a weighing them against each other. It's to say that one is working out the other in us. That's what he says. These light momentary afflictions they're preparing us. They're, they're working in us. They're, they're shaping in us an eternal weight of glory. You won't get the eternal weight of glory without the light and momentary afflictions. Or as the writer of Hebrews would say, you will not get the holiness of God without his discipline. For he disciplines those he loves so that we might share in his holiness. Light, momentary affliction is working in us an eternal weight of glory. That according to God's word, this eternal weight of glory will not, you couldn't even come close to comparing the light and momentary affliction to you. Friends, that's hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard to believe because these light and momentary afflictions are the things that we can see. They're the things that are obvious to us. They're the things that are all around us. They're the things that are pressing in. And this, this glorious, this, this weight of eternal glory, that's, that's, that's what's unseen, that's hidden in the dark. It is what we cannot see so much. And it's no surprise, we are people who are often led by our sight. Even though we're to be, we're to be led by faith, our sight overrules many times what's happening and how we're thinking and how we're feeling and how we respond. These are the things we can see around us. But can I encourage you, if you think for a moment, what happens when you're in a room full of light and then the lights go out? For a moment you can see nothing, right? It's all darkness, you can see nothing. But if you stay in that darkness, what happens? Slowly things begin to take shape again. Slowly things begin to come to the surface and you can begin to see what you could not see just moments before. Using that as an analogy, can I again exhort us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? To look at what is unseen, to fix our gaze on what is unseen, to, to as it were, and I don't really like this analogy for this reason, but as it were, to fix our eyes or keep ourselves in the dark so that the things that are unseen 
adjust, our eyes adjust to that focus, and we see the eternal weight of glory that is coming for us, not the light and momentary afflictions. Let me say one more thing. Let me make one more comment about this word light. Let me, let me dig into that word light just a bit more. It is the word elaphros in Greek, elaphros. It means light or easy, like the opposite of heavy. It is, by the way, only used two times in the entire New Testament. Once, of course, here in these verses. The other time is in the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew. Let me read for you. The Gospel of Matthew, it's right when Jesus uh, has just made a declaration that the Father has given all things over to him. They're all under his control. You can read about this in Matthew chapter 11. And then he says these words. Pay careful attention to them, please. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Elaphros. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it wonderful, brothers and sisters, that our Lord and Savior who paid so much for us, who redeemed us, who brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, isn't it wonderful that he himself says that we can come to him when we're weary and burdened with heavy things, which many of us may be in these days. And he says, you can come to me and I will give you rest. You can be led to me. You can, you can rest in me. You can come curl up beside me. You can hide yourself in me. And you can learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says following after me, that burden is light compared to the burden, the bondage of sin. It is made light, I believe, because of the peace and the joy that is received when we are following Jesus, when we are one with our Creator, when we have received the precious gift of salvation that He offers, when we say, I will be willing to carry around the death of Jesus in my body because the life of Jesus can then also be put on display. And that life is, is light and, and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I encourage you, when you have a burden today or this week or in the coming days, would you take it to Jesus? Would you allow him to show you, to demonstrate that he can bring rest to your soul, that he can uh, bring peace to your heart, that he can teach you, that he, the creator of the universe, is a gentle shepherd, a good shepherd, a shepherd who has laid down his life? It is when we realize and have taken upon us the light yoke, the light burden of Jesus Christ, that we can then have the perspective that Paul shares in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. While I still am not able to give you a completely practical, measurable uh, goal or thing to do this week, can I encourage you, can I ask of you and of me to look to the unseen, 
to look into the, into the dark, as it were, what seems veiled, as it were, and to see the eternal weight of glory that far outweighs, that far outshines the light and momentary affliction. To trust the Lord God in what he has said, that someday we will look back at this and recognize that this was just a blip on the radar. This was but a small thing, and that we would willingly do it for what we have gained in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Again, thank you for the occasion you have given us. Thank you that it is a momentary occasion. It is not an eternal one. It is a momentary one. But it reminds us, Father, we would be remiss to not be reminded that there is an eternal occasion coming that has far greater import, far bigger weight, far more major consequences than dying from a virus death. And that is when we die apart from Jesus, not knowing Jesus, not having received what he has done for us. May that not only spur us on to be bold every opportunity we have to proclaim the Lord Jesus, as, Jesus Christ as Lord, but may it also remind us that we want to look to the unseen. We want to hang on to the hope that you've given to us. It is a firm and sure foundation for us. Jesus, you are the rock of our salvation. And we cling to you. We take your burden upon us. We ask you to correct our vision so that we can see the unseen and not be led or fixate upon what is seen around us that gives us so much trouble and pressure, but that we would then recognize these light momentary afflictions and that they are working in us Maybe perhaps, again, we would even recognize it as your grace, giving us an opportunity to put to this, the life of Jesus Christ, the, your life, Jesus, on display in our bodies to those around us who desperately need it. That we can see that you are working in us, preparing for us an eternal uh, glory that is far going, to, going to outweigh by far these afflictions we face today. But in all this, God, we need your help and we desperately ask for your grace in our lives. We thank you that you care deeply about us. In Jesus' name, amen.